Uh, today is part two of our series on the topic of margin. How many of you, uh, I was talking to someone out in the lobby a little bit earlier, and they were like, man, I, I realized how busy I really am. Did anybody like sort of recognize that in your own life here this past week, that, man, yeah, it's, it gets really, really busy, and I don't have a lot of time for margin. Let me start this morning by asking you just a little bit about that in a little bit more detail. How many of you say, you know what, I wish I had just a little bit more time every day for myself so, you know, I could just like rest and relax or maybe possibly do something that I really want to do. You wish you had some more time for things like that? Yeah, we all want that. How many of you say, you know what, I wish I had a little bit more time every single day to be able to spend time with family and friends? You wish you had a little bit more time for something like that? And then one final one, how many of you say, you know what, I wish I had just a little bit more time every day to just work on my relationship with Jesus? spend more time with God, right? Yeah, we just wish we have a little bit more time. But here's the sad reality. Here's the sad truth. If God all of a sudden went, poof, there's now 25 hours in a day. The sad reality is most of us would not use that extra hour to do the very things we just said we wish we had more time for. We just said that we'd like to have more time for ourselves and to do things we enjoy. We'd like to have more time for family and friends and and to spend time with God. But yet, if there was now 25 hours a day, guess what? You'd allow society to suck that margin right out of you. We talked about that last week, didn't we? That society just has this way of just taking any extra that we have and just zapping it right out from us. If you don't believe me, just think about the last time you had an unexpected day off of work. You didn't go, thank you, Jesus, I've got an extra eight hours I can spend worshiping you and spending time with my family and friends. And Wow, this is going to be a great day. No, what did you do? You said, I've got chores to do. I've got errands that I need to run. Some of you probably still ended up working. Even though you had the day off work, you still worked anyway. See, when it comes to this thing of of margin in our schedules, we just aren't very good about getting it. We've allowed the urgent in life to to crowd out the important. You know, it's sort of like this. Think about like when your car's out of alignment. What happens when you're driving down the road and you're going straight if you take your hands off the steering wheel? Sort of goes off to the side, doesn't it? It's out of an alignment. It's trying to drag you into the ditch. And so what do you have to do? You have to be very intentional about grabbing the wheel and and bringing it back to center. And you have to keep it there. Well, see, your life is the exact same way. We are out of alignment. It's this little thing called sin. That's out of alignment. And because of our being out of alignment, we're going to drive into a ditch if we're not careful. We're going to end up in places in life that we really shouldn't be because we don't have that that margin. See, here's, here's the thing. Earlier I asked you, I said, how many of you like more time for yourself and more times for things you enjoy and more time for family and friends and more time for God? Guess what? The reason that you desire that is because that's God's will for you. God wants that for you. But we are out of alignment. In alignment is doing all those things. Out of alignment is this schedule that just keeps us running and running and running. Do, 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 do. We're busy, busy, busy. And all of a sudden we've Start living these lives that are just completely devoid of any margin. See, there's things that you desire, that you want, and that God wants for you, but yet we allow the world to tell us 
No, just keep going. Keep doing your own thing. And so that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning is how do we get margin in our schedules? Now, in case you weren't with us last week, let's just real quick do a review. Here's our definition for margin for the series. It's there on your outline. Margin is the amount that is left over beyond what is actually needed. It's extra. It's what's in reserve. In other words, it's the difference between what you have and then what you actually need. So we talked about this last week. If you know it takes you uh, 20 minutes to get somewhere and you have a half hour to actually get there, how much margin do you have? Ten minutes, right? That's your, your margin. It's the extra. It's what's in reserve. So when it comes to this whole thing of margin and our schedule, it means having more than what we actually need. In fact, having extra time so that if something unexpected pops up, it doesn't phase you in any way. Time margin is this, being able to have somebody stop and ask you to help with something and you actually have the time to do it instead of coming up with an excuse of, well, no, I, I can't, I'm too busy. If you have time margin, you can actually help people when they ask. Time margin is this, it's being able to truly stop and listen to someone without your mind racing to what you have to do next and how busy you are and that I don't have time to be standing here talking to you right now. That's time margin. Time margin is you being able to be interrupted during your day and you're actually okay with it. You're not grumbling and complaining that don't these people see I've got work to do around here? No, because you actually built into your schedule margin so that you can be interrupted. So that it doesn't become a huge distraction. So that you're able to invest in somebody else's life. Time margin is having quality time with your family and friends. Time margin is being able to spend time with God and get his wisdom and direction for your life. Now, as you, you hear some of those definitions of time margin, you're like, man, I, I'd really like that, right? I'd like to know that I have extra time, some reserve time. So that if something fun pops up that I want to do, I can do something fun. If somebody pops in for a visit, I can spend quality time with them. If I want to go and visit a family member or a friend, I can just go visit because I've built in that kind of margin. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says this. Be careful how you live. Don't be or don't live like fools, but like those who are what? What's it say? Like live like those who are wise. Paul's saying here, look, there's a foolish way to live and then there's a wise way to live. And what I'm here to say today is this. Foolish people live with no margin in their schedule. It's just run from one activity to the next activity, one appointment to the next appointment. It's just jam packed. That's foolish. Wise people put some margin into their schedule. And again, our society is going to try to convince you that, you know what, run, 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 do, 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 just pack it all full, that that's normal. That that's just how it has to be. But we've got to fight against normal in the same way that when our car is out of alignment, we have to fight to get back into alignment, to keep it going straight down the road. It's the same way. You are going to have to fight against what our culture says is normal. Verses 16 and 17 then. These are evil times. So make what? Make 
Every minute counts. Don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Paul says, look, if if you want to make every single minute count, you've got to know what God's will for your life is, and then you've got to live within that. You've got to know what the alignment is, and then live within that alignment. And yes, man, people are going to try to drag you off into the ditch, but don't allow that to happen. Get back into the middle of the road. Drive the straight path that God has for us. So, make every minute count. Be careful with your schedule. Let me illustrate how this works. If somebody today here at Exponential said to you, hey, can you do something with me this upcoming Friday? It could be, you know, come to a party or a picnic. It could be help with a move or help with a project or whatever. What's the first question you would say if somebody said, are you free this Friday? What, what, would, you, what would you ask, or can you do this this Friday? What would you do? You would check your schedule, right? You, you get out the calendar, you get out your phone, you get out your day timer, you look, and the question you're asking is this, what? Am I free? Right? That's the question. Am I free? Now, it's not a bad question to ask, but it's not the best question to ask. Here's another question sometimes we ask. We would be like, okay, is this right or wrong? Right? If they're asking you to do something that's sinful or wrong, you're going to be like, no, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> you come up with some sort of excuse. But here's the assumption that we make a lot of times. We think, well, just because it's not wrong, then it must be right. And since I'm free, then I'll go ahead and do it. So again, two questions we often ask. Am I free? And is it right or wrong? Again, they're not bad questions to ask. It's just not the best question to ask. Here's the best question you can ask when it comes to putting things on your schedule. Is this wise? Is this wise? Is this the best use of this time that I would have? And here's how you can do this. Here's how you can sort of play this whole thing out. Figure out what is the big thing going on in your life right now. What are the challenges? What are the situations? What are the circumstances? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are some obstacles that you face? Whatever that is. And then ask yourself this question. I put it there on your outline. In light of blank, is this wise to put onto my calendar? So in light of my future hopes and dreams and goals, is it wise that I go away this weekend? In light of my finances right now, is it wise that I put that concert onto my calendar and spend that money? In light of the state of my marriage right now, is it wise that I would take a job that's going to keep me away nights and weekends? In light of the fact that we have small kids right now, is it wise that I move to a different city? to take another job where it's going to take them away from the friends that they've established and it's going to cause me to to be away a lot of times. See how this works? In light of your circumstance, in light of your situation, is it wise that I would put whatever onto my calendar? So it's not, am I free? It's not, is this right or wrong? The question is, is this wise or not. 
Is it wise? See, Scripture tells us that our days here on the earth are short. Both Job and James basically said that it's like a, like a breath. You know, on a cold day, you, you, see, you see your breath there. It's there and then it's gone. And they both say, that's, that's life. Even if you live to be 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, that's pretty short when you compare it to all of eternity. And so Paul says you've got to make sure that every single minute counts. Every day is counting. Every week is counting. Every month, every year, every decade. Make sure that it counts. So that's how you schedule wisely, not foolishly. Ask yourself, in light of what is this wise or not? You're going, but Gilbert, if I do that, I may miss out on like some really good things. You know what? You're right. You may miss out on that concert. You may miss out on the job. You may miss out on the weekend away. And it could have been good. But it's not about just putting a bunch of good things on your calendar. It's about, is this the wisest thing? Is this... In the will of God, is this what's going to make every single minute count? I've shared this with you before in the, sort of the context of finances, but let me share it again in the context of money. It's there on your outline. I must learn to say no to many good things so that I can say yes to the very best things. Say that again. I must say no to many good things so I can say yes to the very best things question is how how do you do this well we talked about it a little bit last week it's going to involve a radical change of thinking and i paraphrased for you last week romans chapter 12 verse 2 uh what paul talks about there but let me actually read it to you here this morning romans 12 2 paul says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul says, look, you you can't be like everybody else. You can't be quote-unquote normal. You know what normal is? Normal is you live in paycheck to paycheck. Normal is you constantly being on the run. Normal is relational emptiness. Normal is a schedule that's so full that you're overwhelmed and stressed out. That's what's normal. But guess what, folks? Normal isn't working. Normal isn't God's will for you. Paul says here, don't don't conform yourself to the pattern of the world. Don't think like everybody else thinks. He says, instead, allow God's word to transform your mind, transform your thinking. We talked about it last week. We have stinking thinking. Your thinking is wrong. God's thinking is always best. That's why we've got to know what's in this book and what it says so that it allows us to, to start to change our mind and start to, to live according to the pattern that God has for us, not the pattern of the world. Here's another way to think about it. it used to be somebody would come up to you and they'd go like, you know, hey, how you doing? 
And the stock answer was what? Hey, how you doing? You'd be like, fine, right? Fine. You may not have been fine, but that's just what everybody would say, right? That, that's what it used to be. You know what the more common response is now? How you doing? Man, I'm busy. Some people are like, man, I'm super busy. Man, I'm swamped here. I got this to do and I got that to do. Man, I'm just run, run, run. That's what you hear from so many people today. And we've become okay with that. Because our mind now and the way that society has taught us is if somebody says, you know, we, we go to them, hey, how you doing? And they're like, okay, you know, I'm just chilling out, relaxing, not doing a whole lot, you know, just sitting around. What do we think right away? We're like, you lazy bum. You know, get out and do something. Again, that, that's the, the society, that's the pattern of the world that's convinced us that we've got to just keep going and going and going. But listen, you're not the Energizer Bunny. You can't just keep going and going and going. Normal isn't working. Busy does not necessarily mean that you're productive. Busy doesn't necessarily mean that you're effective. Busy doesn't necessarily mean that you're being fruitful. Busy sometimes just means you're busy. I mean, you know some people, don't you? That they're constantly doing things, but yet it doesn't seem like they're really accomplishing anything. It's just run, 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 run. It's just a bunch of busy work. There's not a lot of return on their investment. Here's the deal. I don't think that people like in our society are being robbed of meaning in life and happiness and joy because of a lack of commitment. You know why I think that many people don't have meaning and happiness and joy? It's overcommitment, not a lack of commitment. It's too much stuff. It's too busy. Again, we're like that, that car. We're, we're out of alignment. And things just aren't working for us the way that they should be. And so we've got to learn to say no to the good so we can say yes to the very best. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because you're free on your calendar doesn't mean that you need to do it. Again, ask yourself, in light of, fill in the blank, is this the wisest thing for me to do? So, oftentimes the very best thing that you can say when somebody asks you to do something is what? It's just a little two-letter word. What is it? What? No. Right. No. <laughs> this isn't rocket science. I wasn't trying to trick you. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to learn to say no. All right, let's practice. All right, you guys are good. Ready? One, two, three. All right, I'm not convinced, ready? One, two, three, no! By the way, no is a complete sentence. See, because many of you think that, well, if I say no, I'm going to have to justify and give a reason why I'm saying no. No, you don't. You don't have to give any reason for it. But, but Gilbert, don't I have to tell him why I can't help or why I can't go there with him? No! See how that worked? 
There was a period at the end of that no. No was a complete sentence. You don't have to justify it for anybody. You don't have to give a reason. In light of blank, is this the wisest thing for me to do? If the answer is no, then just say no. Come on. You guys grew up with Nancy Reagan like I did. Just say no. Come on. (laughs) I mean, that was cocaine she was talking about. We're just talking about like something on your calendar. (laughs) Just say no. Jordy's like, Nancy who? (laughs) Just say no to drugs. That's basically, all right? Steroids. He he's a football player, you know, and, and you know the temptation, you know, balk up there, little little Jordy, little little tiny Jordy there. You know. <laughs> so you got to learn to say no. Learn to say no, and here here's the deal. Build margin in your schedule by learning to say no. By remembering this very important thing, people are always more important than tasks are. Here's why I say that. Jesus one time was asked this. They came to him and they said, Jesus, tell us, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, oh, that's easy. It's love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And he said, if that's sort of 1A, then 1B would be this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you need a way to remember that, it's very easy. All of Christianity can be summed up in this one little short sentence. Love God and love people. That's it. You want to know what this book is about? It's trying to encourage you that you need to love God and love people. So keep that in mind as you're putting your schedule together. Is this wise? Is it helping me to love God more? Is it helping me to love people more? Now, there are tasks that you have to do in life. Let's, you know, let's not uh, pretend like they're not there. But if you have a choice between two things, and one involves people and one involves doing a task, an errand, a chore, usually it's going to be wiser to choose people over a task. Let me give you one thing. You know, you're not going to stand before God one day and he say, did your home make it into better homes and garden? But yet some of you pretend like that's the goal of life. And so every day you're dusting and you're vacuuming and you're like cleaning up and stuff. And you act like, you know, some like general is going to come by and like do the like finger test like and swipe to see if there's dust or something. And every little corner of the the sheets need to be tucked in and done the right way. Guess what? That's fine that you do it. Don't live like a slob, but yet don't go to the extreme with that either. Don't like waste a whole lot of time because that's not what you're going to be judged on. If I have the choice between, you know what, I'm going to go and hang out with some family or hang out with some friends or I'm going to stay home and dust. For crying out loud, go hang out with your family. Why? Because love God. Love people. So, people are more important than tasks are. People are more important than technology. 
We talked about that a couple series ago, didn't we? That what happens when a bunch of people are together? Everybody's got their phone out and they're... Nobody's looking at each other. Nobody's talking. People are more important than tech. Parents, let me encourage you with this. Let me challenge you with this. Take at least one day a week. If you're really brave, two or three days a week. And make it a tech-free night in your home. No phones, no computers, no TV, no Xbox, no Facebooking, nothing. It's tech-free. Use that time to play board games together with your family. Or draw, or read, or go outside and throw a ball around, or go for a hike or something. Make it tech-free. Why? Because people are more important than tasks. People are more important than tech. Is this the wisest thing for me to be doing with my time right now? Now, one of the reasons I bring up, brought up a TV, I just saw a study recently that said that we will spend, on average as Americans, one-seventh of our life watching TV. One-seventh of your life will be spent watching TV. Is that wise? Hello? Is that wise? No. Is that normal? Yeah. Yeah, it is. In light of blank, is this the wisest thing for me to be doing? Is this the wisest thing for me to be putting onto my schedule? See, we all have a choice. You're going to have to choose to be wise instead of choosing to be foolish. You know, I mentioned that it's about loving God and loving people, and mostly what I talked about in that little section was about loving people. But guess what? Part of your choice has to be loving God as well, and that's going to involve some time. So two recommendations I want to make for you there. On your outline, number one, I must prioritize a daily time with Jesus. You know, I talk about this all the time, that you have to spend time with Jesus every day. You know, I wish he'd stop talking about it. Well, I'll start doing it, and when I know that everybody's doing it, then I'll stop talking about it. But until everybody's doing it, I'm going to continue to talk about it, because this is one of the most important things you can do in life, is work on your relationship with Jesus. Spend time with him. And so we've got to build that into our schedules. I think it's very, very important that every single morning we're taking at least 10 to 15 minutes to realign our heart with God's heart. To make sure that his thinking is becoming our thinking. Just 10 to 15 minutes. And again, I'm recommending that you do it in the morning. You see, it's sort of like how we, when we talk about the tithe, that God says, give me the first 10% of your income. I don't want your leftovers. I want the first 10%. I want the first and the best of what you've got. I think it's the same way with your time. Give God the first and the best part of your day. You know, many of you are like, man, when I wake up, man, I just can't get going unless I have a cup of coffee. I mean, that's just like, it gets me going and stuff. And that's okay if you have coffee. But I want you to get to the same place in your relationship with Jesus where you start saying to people, you know what, if I don't spend the first 10 to 15 minutes of every morning with Jesus, man, my day is just shot. 
I can't get going. I don't have the energy to do what I need to do. You're going, but yeah, but Gordon, I like to, I like to talk to Jesus at night and stuff. Hey, you can still do that. But here's the unfortunate truth. By the time you've dealt with the kids, by the time you've done all your work and everything and you've got dinner ready and everything that needs to be done in a day, you're wore out. And God's getting your leftover time in the evening. So you can still talk to him in the evening. You can still study the word and do all that in the evening. But take at least just a couple minutes first thing in the morning just to talk to him and read his word. And allow that to sort of get you going for the day. Here's what I encourage you to do. Read at least one verse, you know, maybe even a whole chapter of the Bible. That's all you got to do. And don't worry about that. I don't understand all the Bible and everything. Don't worry about that. Whatever you read that morning, use that to guide your day. So if you read a, a passage or you read a verse that talks about patience... Make that the theme of your day. All right, I just read about patience, so for the rest of today, I'm going to be very, very intentional about working on being more patient. Again, there may be a lot of other things in life that you need to work on, but for that day, that's what you're going to work on. I'm going to work on being more patient. And whatever God's Word said, I'm going to apply that today. It talks about being a better family member or a friend or a spouse or whatever. For that day, that's what I'm working on. And I'm using God's word to guide me. See how that works? If you're only reading the Bible at nighttime, then guess what? You read it, and then you go to sleep, and you probably forget about it. But if you'll start first thing in the morning, and you read, and you say, here's the theme of today for me. This is what I'm working on today. Now, not only have you started your day with Jesus... And got that sort of pick-me-up that His Spirit will give you. But now you have the rest of the day to practice what you just read. Again, Scripture tells us, don't just be a hearer of the Word. Be a doer. And I would say the same thing. Don't just be a reader of God's Word. Actually apply it. Actually do it. But it's going to mean getting some margin into your schedule so that you have a little bit of extra time to spend with Jesus each and every morning as you're getting your day started. Number two then, I must prioritize times of rest into my schedule. Last week we looked at Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me, all you who are stressed, all you who are exhausted, all of you who are just packing your schedule full of stuff. He says, Come to me and I will give you rest. That's just a, a part of your relationship with God, is that He is your refuge. He is your safe place. He is the place that you can come for rest and peace and comfort and solitude. He's the place where you can come to relax. But many of us are just simply too busy. We're just too busy. And we never take time to rest. But let me share with you how important this is to God. In the beginning, God did what? He created the heavens and the earth. We read that in Genesis chapter 1. And then as Genesis continues on, he keeps creating. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars. He's creating plants and animals and then ultimately human beings. 
For those of you that may have been around church for a while, how many days did it take him to do that, to create all those things? How many days? Six days, right. What did he do on the seventh day? He rested. If God needed a day of rest, what makes you think that you don't? There's 613 commands in the Old Testament of the Bible. One point, God comes to a man named Moses. He says, let me give you the Big Ten. The Reader's Digest version. Here's the big ones. Out of the ten, one of them is about what? Rest. A Sabbath day of rest. Again, 613 commands, and God said, one of the most important ones is that you learn how to rest. That you take an entire day that's all about rest, relaxation, and worship of me. You don't do anything else. It's not your day to catch up on everything. It's not your day to get ahead of what needs to be done at work. No, it's a day of rest. And so, again, I want to challenge you. If you're not taking one day out of every seven, and it may not necessarily be Sunday. For a lot of people, it is Sunday. But, you know, for me, today's work day. This isn't a day of rest for me. So Fridays are my day of rest. So you've got to figure it out for your schedule. But what is going to be your Sabbath day, the day that it's just about God and it's just about people? It's just about relaxing. It's just about worship of him. And if you're not doing that, what you're basically saying is, I'm smarter than God is. I know better than what he does. I don't need something that he himself needed. Are we really going to sit here this morning and be that egotistical that we're going to say, no, I don't need to rest. I don't need that. I'm smarter than God. I don't think anybody is going to come out and say, yeah, that's me. But yet, many of you are probably living your lives that way. Again, Christianity isn't just about getting a bunch of facts in your head that, oh, yeah, I know, I need a day of rest. Christianity is actually applying what you know. Somebody once said it this way. You show what you know when you act on the fact. I'll say that again because that's really good, isn't it? You show what you know when you act on the fact. Sort of corny, but it works. Again, that's what Scripture's talking about. Don't just be a hearer of the Word. Don't just be a doer of the Word. Or uh, don't just be a reader of the Word. Be a doer of the Word of God. So we've got to get rest in our schedule. And we're only going to have it if we put some margin in. Now, I know some people like, well, you know, the, the whole car illustration I've been using and being out of alignment. Some people like with their car, they're like, well, I just can't afford to take it in and get a tune-up. You know, I'll just let it keep drifting off and I'll just keep working hard to, to bring it back in. But it's going to be so much better for you if you go ahead and get the tune-up, spend a little bit of money now, because what's going to end up happening down the road is you're going to end up spending a lot of money because it's going to start to wear and tear on the tires and everything or, you know, 
one day maybe you drift off or something and the car drifts off. Your life is the same way. Get these principles in alignment with God's word now because if you don't, eventually it's going to cost you spiritually, relationally, physically. Got to build margin into our schedules or it's going to be very, very costly. So as I've been saying, we all have a choice in what we're going to do with this. We can either continue to live according to the pattern of the world, according to what the world teaches us of go, 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 do, 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 do. Don't worry about taking a day of rest. Just work and work and work and work. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to get myself in alignment with what God's word says. I hope that you'll choose wisely for that. Because Jesus said, if you'll do that, you will find rest, not just for your soul, but I think for your sanity as well. You're driving yourself crazy because it's just constantly on the go. So here's my challenge to you when it comes to rest. Ten minutes every day. I want to encourage you, find ten minutes out of every day that's just rest. Clear your mind. Talk to God. Be at peace. Ten minutes out of every day. One day out of every week. That's the Sabbath. And then at least one week per year that you're getting away. You're vacationing. You're relaxing. You're recharging. You're refreshing. By the way, when you're on vacation, you're not on your laptop doing work. You're not checking emails. You know, the, the phone, you know, you, you let it go right to voicemail. You relax. So, 10 minutes a day, one day a week, one week a year. Got to build that margin into your life. And then, don't forget, what's the question you're going to ask yourself in light of whatever? Is this what? Is this wise? It's just the wisest thing for me to be putting on my schedule. Because, see, we can't constantly be resting, can we? We do have other things that we need to do. So what are you going to do in those other days and minutes and hours? Are you making every minute count? Is every minute being used the most wise way or not? Build some margin in. More than enough time so that you can love God and you can love people. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for the, the wisdom that is found in your word and we thank you for people like the Apostle Paul who encouraged us to make every single minute of our lives count to not just waste the time that we have here on the earth but to use our time for your honor and your glory and so that we can give you praise. Lord, I, I just pray that as your spirit has been convicting people this morning of maybe some unwise, some foolish uses of their time, that, Lord, you would just be giving them clear next steps that, okay, here's what I need to do starting today to change that so that I can start being a little wiser in what I'm doing. Lord, I pray that from now on when 
somebody would ask us to do something, we pull out our calendar, or we pull out our smartphone, and, and we're looking to, to see, you know, am I free? That in that moment, the Spirit would convict us to say, wait a second, it's not about am I free, but it's about is this wise or not? And that we would start living according to that principle instead of the principles that the, the world has taught us to live by. Lord, help us to find rest for our souls, rest for our sanity, so that we can be better servants for you. Not just be so wore out and tired and just overwhelmed that we can't truly love you and we can't truly love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, this is all about not our will being done, but your will being done. So help us to get back in alignment. Help us to live according to your word, according to your principles, according to your own example, instead of doing things our way. Jesus, increase in our lives as we decrease. Help us to be who it is that you want us to be and accomplish all it is that you want us to accomplish in a way that will glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.